Welcome to In Focus, a discussion of current issues affecting our economy, featuring a review of the latest research and analysis from the Washington Research Council. Hello and welcome to In Focus, a weekly podcast from the Washington Research Council. I'm Mary Strau. I'm Communications Director and Research Analyst for the Council. Joining me today is Emily Makings, who is our Senior Research Analyst, as well as Chris Showbloom, who is our Senior Economist and Research Director. It is Monday, September 21st, as we tape this episode. And um, we're going to start off today with... Emily, uh, who has some news for us on rent control and new numbers from Washington's wine industry. Emily. Yes. Uh, last week, the Seattle, uh, Seattle City Council Committee voted 3-3 uh, three to three on a resolution that would call on the legislature to either repeal or modify the state law that bans rent control in the cities in the state. Um, this was a pretty symbolic thing since the legisl- even if they do vote for this resolution, the legislature is under no obligation to actually do anything. But the committee voted three to three, so it will go on to the full council, um, but it will be um, a, a negative recommendation because uh, the chair of the committee voted no. Um, and uh, according to news reports, it's unlikely to pass the full council. And then, as I said, it's very unlikely that the state legislature would actually overturn the ban on rent control. Um, but there has been a little bit of movement in the area. Okay. Boy, isn't that something that this is an old issue? It's like back to the future. Um, yeah, exactly. all, all these old kind of old-timey lefty issues are being resurrected right here in Seattle. Yes. <laughs> it's, it like, Never. hey, it didn't work in New York, it didn't work in San Francisco, let's try it here. Oh, but we can do things much better than they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I think, it, you, you, I guess they, you cycle through enough generations and people kind of forget how much it didn't work. And yes. they just think, hey, we've got this great new idea. Let's control rents. That'll be perfect. What can go wrong? <laughs> yeah, our economy is so strong, nothing mm-hmm. can kill it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, we'll just... Uh, I guess we'll just wait and see what happens there. I'm kind of surprised by nothing these days coming out of the Seattle City Council. So, uh, And then uh, the wine industry had some new numbers out. Emily? Yes, the State Wine Commission released an economic impact study of the industry uh, recently. And according to the study in 2013, the total econo- economic impact, including uh, direct, indirect, and induced effects, was $4.8 billion in business revenues. Um, so this is a really big deal. As I mean, everybody knows that the wine industry is important in Washington State, but this puts a number on it. Um, I, the thing that really surprised me in the study is that only of all wine sales, in, of uh, direct wine sales in Washington in 2014, only 23.6% were Washington wines. So hmm. if you're buying a, a wine in the grocery store, only 23.6% of the time are you buying a Washington wine, which seems ridiculously low to me. And um, so there's there's clearly a lot of room for the industry to grow if that's, if that's the level of um, support they're getting from Washington. Yeah, drinkers. absolutely. Well, I guess in the, some sense that's a good sign then that we can they can definitely uh, expand. Yeah, yeah. 
Good. Well, I like Washington wines. I've, so I vote for them. So do I. All right. Good. Um, great. Well, thank you, Emily, for that news. Um, Chris, you're going to be sharing some news with us about yes. revenue forecast and the monthly employment report. Yes. Actually, the, the, the story on the revenue uh, forecast is that there really isn't much new news in the, in the report that came out. Uh, last uh, Monday, a week ago today, the uh, Economic and Revenue Forecast Council uh, held their quarterly meeting to revise the, their forecast of revenue for the state general fund. Um, and the headline number suggested a, a lot of good news. The, the headline number was an increase of $333 million in revenue for the general fund. But this is an increase over the amount that had previously been previously released forecast from the Economic and Revenue Forecast Council, which came out in May. Mm-hmm. Um, and since that time, we've had the legislature writing a budget, uh, which included uh, some revenue enhancements mm-hmm. uh, to the tune of um, uh, $193 million dollars. Um, we kind of knew about that money when the legislature uh, decamped from Olympia, uh, and uh, but, uh, but that had that's being rolled into the forecast at this time, so that's part of the the 333 million. But it's not new news. Uh, in addition, since uh, um, uh, May, we've had a series of collection reports that have come in. We've talked about them on this, mm-hmm. this yeah, which have added a total of $166 million to the revenue that will come in during the current biennium. And that's really not news. It's gotten rolled, those collections have gotten rolled into the forecast now. Um, And when you actually ask what's the new news in the forecast, what's in that number, $333 million that we didn't already know about, in fact, it was a small reduction of about Mm. $26 million dollars in the revenue expected to come come in in month by month from now to the end of the end of the um, um, uh, the biennium okay. um, they also did a, a fork updated the forecast for the following biennium the 2017 2019 and in that for that um, they rolled out some of the again the legislative changes um, um, and when you um, actually 280. Uh, $6 million in legislative changes that will come out there. Again, that isn't really news. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then they did further update the forecast by about $51 million, $52 million. So okay. that is actually news. Uh, and if you take the $52 million of, of good news for the future biennium mm-hmm. and the $26 million of bad news for the current biennium, mm. net you end up with a gain of new news, new revenue that we hadn't actually already heard about of $25 million. Okay. So it's a little bit of a, uh, of a, of a game. Nothing that really changes okay. the, uh, the outlook for the legislature at all. All right. All right. So, so steady as she goes. Then. Steady as she goes. Okay. Um, and we've got a ways until the, we get a really uh, meaningful weather. Yeah, the next really meaningful revenue forecast will be the one that comes in February of next mm-hmm. year, which is the one where the uh, which the legislature will use in writing the supplemental budget. Okay, yeah, right. And from the the November one that we'll have up here again is just mm-hmm. a, a kind of preliminary to that. Okay. Uh, then the second report we got last week uh, is the employment report uh, from the 
from the Employment Security Deposit uh, Department, um, looking at uh, employment in August, uh, and they're showing a gain of uh, 1,600 jobs between um, uh, July and August. Small number, but mm-hmm. it's any 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 additional job helps. Sure. Uh, the big news here was that the job gain for July was revised upward from 5,900 to 10,900. Oh, so that's nice. 5,000 5, jobs that were kind of added uh, the previous month, and that is uh, good news. If you, and sure you pull thing. those two numbers together, you're up to 6,600, which is now getting to be meaningful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you give some, you take some. They also did mm-hmm. some revisions to past history um, do it uh, through the benchmarking process yes. where they look at, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. uh, where they look at uh, a f- complete count of jobs that comes out of the unemployment insurance tax records. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it takes a while for them to actually digest those returns and, and get that in. And, and that uh, job, benchmarking adjustment also took away 1,500 jobs. Okay. So mixed bag, definitely. Yeah, mixed bag, but still, you know, on balance kind of showing us um, growing. Yes. Good. All right. Well, great. Thanks for that, Chris. Um, And then I'm going to close out this podcast with um, some research that's been done on charter schools. Of course, charter schools are in the news around here because the state Supreme Court shocked just about everybody by ruling recently that charter schools are unconstitutional. Very controversial ruling. We'll be talking more about this in the future. Um, lots of questions about how how the state Supreme Court came to its decision. You've had uh, former Supreme Court Justice Phil Talmadge strongly criticize um, the justices who signed on to the majority opinion in the pages of the, uh, the Tacoma News Tribune and an op-ed. Um, former Governor Chris Gregoire recently on King TV, she was being interviewed about the um, the Chinese president's uh, visit to Washington State, but was also asked about this ruling, and she very, very strongly criticized um, the court, not only the decision, the substance of the decision, but the timing, you know, on the Friday before uh, school started, or in some cases, school had already started for these charter schools. So uh, we're going to see a lot more stuff happen on this issue. Um, But I I thought it was important to um, sort of get back to the data and the numbers and see, you know, why we have charter, public charter schools in the first place, what role they play um, in the larger public school system. Um, There is a, uh, a research center called the Center for Research on Education Outcomes, or Credo for short, at Stanford University. And since 2009, Credo has been looking at charter school performance. Um, They've done three major nationwide studies, one in 2009, one in 2013, and then another in 2015. The first two showed, actually the first one showed um, lots of room for improvement for charter schools, uh, nearly... Uh, half of the charter schools nationwide back then had uh, results that were no different from local public school options. Uh, 37% delivered learning results that were significantly worse than their traditional public school counterparts, and only 17 provided a superior educational opportunity for their students. Um, One thing back in 2009 that Credo did note, it noted a trend that... uh, 
charter school students who were in urban areas, who were low-income, minority, English language learners, if they were in charter schools, they actually performed significantly better than their peers. Um, so you were, what you were starting to see with this research, you saw it again in 2013, was that where you saw real benefits from charter schools was in these urban schools among low-income, minority, English language learner students. Um, so to the point where in 2015, when uh, Credo did its study, it actually focused just on urban schools across America, urban charter schools across America. And by doing so, they were able to really focus on the benefits that charter schools can provide to these students. Um, they found that uh, across 41, the 41 regions that they studied, urban charter schools on average achieve significantly greater student success in both math and reading, which amounts to 40 additional days of learning growth in math and 28 days of additional growth in reading. So that's obviously a huge uh, a huge performance improvement over the traditional public schools. Um, you know, most of the Washington State charter schools that are currently in operation are, in fact, in urban areas. So it kind of makes sense that that's where they, where they would be locating uh, since it's the urban kids, the low-income kids, the minority kids who are being the most underserved by their local public schools and stand the most to benefit from a charter school. Um, I'm going to look further into this issue and sort of how um, over time people have reacted to these charter school studies um, as well as looking at how what role charter schools can play in closing the educational achievement gap and really helping the, the more vulnerable kids who are not being well served by their schools and who are not learning uh, what they should and in uh, uh, achieving the, uh, the way that they should and the way that they have the, the ability to. Um, so that will be for a future podcast. And I think that'll do it. Unless anyone had any comments on that? Nope. All right, good. Well, that'll close out our In Focus podcast for this week. Thank you for joining us and we'll talk to you next week. In Focus is a production of the Washington Research Council dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. Your tax-deductible investment allows our work to continue. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.